You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. A vineyard grows in Brooklyn. The world's first rooftop vineyard is located in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Let's talk to Rooftop Red's founder, Devin Showmaker. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm with Devin Showmaker, owner proprietor of Rooftop Reds. As you all know, I've done some crazy interviews. I've mm-hmm. sat in, like, waist-deep water and uh, with with an oyster farmer. I've done hotel rooms and, 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 like, bars in Portugal. This is one of the coolest places I've ever been. This is We're in the Brooklyn Navy, Navy Yard, basically home of Rosie the Riveter, yeah. uh, one of the most historical places. This is where all the great ships were made uh, at one point in the Second World War. It's 70,000 people are working here, and uh, uh, Devin had the balls to actually <laughs> uh, plant a vineyard on a roof in Brooklyn. Uh, so just when you didn't think Brooklyn get cooler, I'm actually sitting here uh, between rows of Petit Verdot, Malbec, uh, Cab Franc, and uh, I just gotta say, like, what, like, how the hell do you do this? How did you start this? <laughs> yeah, um, great question. Uh, probably, probably s- stupid perseverance mm-hmm. uh, is is what I would come back to. But uh, you know, just just the um, thought process of why, you know, there's all these great urban agriculture establishments all throughout right. uh, the world uh, domestically right here in New York City um, you know my thought process was I want to live in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, I want to right. come back to the city after uh, being in wine school in a very rural region of Western New York the Finger Lakes wine region yeah and uh, so so really it was it was my selfishness of where I wanted to live mm-hmm. and what I was learning which was viticulture vineyard management and winemaking and how do how do I forge these uh, the skill set and and the geographical region and the mega city that I wanted to live in? Right. Um, so so really, uh, I, I started investigating whether or not anybody had fused the concept of urban agriculture and viticulture. Um, and really, up till that point, and when I came up with this concept in late 2012. Uh, nobody had attempted that, uh, at least on a commercial scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so there had been some hobbyist projects, sure. of course, yeah. um, growing vines in urban settings, even on rooftops, but nothing nothing going after a commercial production that would could be sold and tasted to that right. to that city. Right. So, um, I mean, I've seen lots of, uh, as you said, I know restaurants that have herb gardens on their roof yeah uh but the idea of planting grapes particularly vinifera so like you know cab uh, cab franc merlot petit yeah. verdot i mean yeah. how do you decide on those grape varietals yeah and yeah. you obviously don't make it here so tell right. us like that process like how yeah. did you pick those grapes to grow um on this amazing rooftop yeah yeah um well i, I mean it, it was really my senior project it, it, i had to you know develop a vineyard um so i went through the viticulture enology program at Finger Lakes Community College. At the time, it was the only uh, community college in the United States that had a viticulture enology focused degree program. Mm-hmm. And our uh, senior project was take a plot of land right. and build the business plan and build the climatic analysis uh, behind establishing 
a vineyard and what you would need to do um, to establish a vineyard at that site location. So basically the whole rest of the class was picking out plots of land in the Finger Lakes right. and doing soil analysis and doing climatic analysis and trying to figure out um, you know, the microclimate unique properties for sure. that plot of land. I picked uh, this 15,000 square foot rooftop vineyard uh, uh, establishment uh, right here in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So I, I, I picked a complete industrial blank slate of right. a building's roof and I developed my whole project around that. Now, I'd already been developing the project. Okay. so as your, as your thesis, basically, right? Right, right. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I had, f from my first semester in, in Viticulture and Nology uh, program, I came up with the concept of rooftop reds in that first semester. Oh, wow. And How so, old were you then? I, I was 28. Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. So I, you so, know. So um, in love with viticulture and farming and agriculture from the start, or this is like, what did you do before? Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, what, what got me into wine school was F&B, you know, okay. food and beverage and right. working in the industry kind of as a side. In the Finger Lakes always? No, no. In okay. Washington, D.C. primarily okay. is where I started. So the, the million dollar question is, so you truck in all the soils, because these are like huge planter box, right? Right. So where's the soil come from? Uh, well, we actually developed the soil. So I worked with a, a company called Skyland USA, which is a, um, a soil medium provider for green roof systems. Huh. So uh, I, I worked with their PhD, you know, soil scientist for two years, um, specifically designing the soil for the propagation of grapevines. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I was selecting the sand silt clay ratio, um, you From know. Bordeaux or? Uh, no, or? it wasn't based on no. any region. Huh. It was based on uh, my studies of viticulture and what grapevines need, what vitis vinifera needs to propagate and be healthy and mature fruit to the highest quality possible. Right. Um, but then also infusing in sustainable elements like crushed recycled glass as our sand element. Oh, okay. um, you know, choosing our pH setting our pH, choosing our humus, our organics, right. um, you know, just making it really drainage prone. And where do the actual clippings come from for the vines? I, I worked at a, a grafted grapevine nursery. It's actually Amber Grafted Grapevine Nursery uh, in Seneca Castle, just, just north of the Finger Lakes, but Finger Lakes wine region. Okay. By Cay Cayuga Lake or? Um, uh, just or? closest. Um, yeah. What's closest to Seneca. Okay, Seneca. Okay. Yeah, sure. I've been up there. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. No, it's it's great. So, I actually, you know, grafted all these vines and took care of them in the nursery stage prior to taking them down and propagating them in in planted planted conditions here on rooftops in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So, oh, wow. So you're in DC. You decide I'm gonna. I fall in love with uh, wine, so I'm going to go to the Finger Lake region because they have this degree that you right. wanted to do. Right. And also, but you're also a pretty incredible entrepreneur to even think of this. So how many people said, are you fucking crazy? This is no <laughs> way. Because you must have investors or is this all private equity on your side? No, 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 no. Um, I, I have one investor. I mean, I, I, I of course, put money in. And sure. also, I launched Rooftop Reds before I had an equity investor um, through... You know, I, I did my seedling funding through Kickstarter. Wow. Yeah. So um, that's honestly how I got the, the lease at the Brooklyn Navy Yard because I was able to go in front of their board, pitch them on this business concept. And I said, I'm launching a Kickstarter in a week's time. You know, if I meet my seedling funding goal, hmm. uh, will you, uh, you know, have a handshake agreement with me that, that you'll show me 
uh, uh, rooftop spaces where I can develop this project further. And they agreed to that. I met my goal, and the rest is history. I, I, was, uh, I was allowed to see multiple rooftops and select the rooftop of Building 275 here. Wow, I mean, this is an amazing location. I'm like blown away at like how, how gorgeous it is. If you feel like you're sitting in the middle of some historic old yard. Yeah. Uh, got the smokestacks that are in this smoke yeah. here. And there's- uh, That's actually a co-generation uh, natural gas power plant. Ah. Uh, yeah, so I, cool. I think it might be the only vineyard in the world that has a has an active working power plant looming yes. right next door. <laughs> uh, it's got a little Chernobyl thing, but you uh, said yeah. it's natural gas, so I get it. That's cool. That's yeah, clean. It's cl it's the cleanest we got. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I mean, this is just an amazing location. So I got to tell everybody listening. I I came down here for the first time ever. I thought it was much closer to Dumbo, and it's not. Yeah, um, it's kind of I mean, close. It's kind of close, but it is just spectacular to come up here, and you have picnic tables. It looks like you do a movie night, and but so in between the rows, it is like the coolest place to come hang out and have a glass of wine and watch the sun go down. And you're still in uh, badass Brooklyn. So yeah, well, so, I mean, one of the big, you know, factors here with with rooftop reds is this really unstuffy approach to mm -hmm. the wine industry. You know, it's very recreational up here. I don't want people scared of wine. People are terrified of wine. People are terrified of talking about wine. Uh, if they perceive that somebody is an expert in wine, they always start off, you know, the, the, the question that they really want to ask with, this is probably a stupid question. And yeah. I hate that, yeah. you know? And, and so, so Rooftop Reds is kind of trying to combat that right. and, and make this, you know, uh, a really welcoming, very, very uh, non-scary space. Right. And so we do a lot of untraditional, you know, programming. But you've pitched this idea to a bunch of people and, and I'm sure oh, yeah. they, they laughed, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my professor thought it was a horrible idea. Now I sell more of his wine than any one single outlet uh, anywhere. Wow. Uh, and so... So he, there's he, the secret. There's he, the financial hey. uh, magic sauce right there. So not only you, you're, your, your production here has to be incredibly small. Yes. Right? How many yes. bottles are you getting off the rooftop right now? A barrel. A barrel okay. per year. Yep. So 25 cases? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right, right around that mark. Right. Um, so it's, it's not, you know, we're, we're this micro, micro vineyard. Right. We're, not, we're not a production space. We're not an urban winery. We're an urban vineyard. Right. Um, so I think that's what really is is putting you know kind of the the whole thought process behind urban wine establishments mm -hmm. on its head um, right. we want to be a sustainable business a green business accessible economically sustainable business right. um, and and also have a really really different like I said approach to how people perceive why wine how people learn about wine sure. And, and a complete local focus. We only pour New York State uh, so pr that's, production. That's cool. And you probably get a, a, a really cool tax break for doing something local, I imagine, right? Isn't there like... Well, uh, I mean, we, we, we have a very aggressive license. It's called a farm winery license mm -hmm. that has a lot of teeth for small producers right. in the state of New York. Um, we, our landlord gets a, a, got a, a, a green roof tax abatement. Uh, um, that's awesome. You know, yeah. for for us establishing this, that was also, you know, part of the the wheeling and dealing of uh, making an agreement with our landlord, the Brooklyn Navy Yard Development Corporation. Um, so all these things are factors of why we were able to accomplish this feat. Right. So it looks like you have a couple things firing here at once that make it successful. Yeah. One, you have this unique. Uh, idea of a vineyard on top of a roof because it's not at 25 cases 
you're not paying any bills on that. The wine is unique. It's a, uh, it's one of those like kind of trophy wines people want to say they have or have had. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Collector. Um, it's a collector's item. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Um, Our first production was 128 bottles. That's crazy. That's yeah. Ten cases. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it, yeah. it is a collector's item. Absolutely. We want it to to be that, um, looked and perceived that way. Um, it's an incredible production though. Uh, and it represents all five traditional Bordeaux red varietals. Um, some of them you mentioned previously. Um, we are the warmest cl- uh, vineyard site in New York State. We have the highest bricks content in New York State. We make a Napa Valley quality wine in a cool climate region as a result of the, all these urban attributes. Huh. Um, so besides you're on the rooftops, of course, you're getting more sun. So what are the other attributes that give you that kind of warmth? Because if right. you're getting high sugar levels, the bricks levels, yeah. that's kind of crazy because if the one thing the finger leak has problems with usually right. is ripening. Yeah, so right? so last year our, our bricks content uh, uh, on average in the vineyard at harvest was 25.9 bricks. Wow, that's high. Very high. Yeah. That'd be high for Napa. So as far as the warmth, um, I guess it's something I never thought of because you having studied viticulture in the finger lakes where... This cool air is constantly blowing off uh, Lake Seneca or Cayuga Lake, right. or um, and that on a, in a rooftop on New York City, you can't imagine it being warmer because it, it's well, it doesn't feel like you're sitting in a vineyard. Number one, right? And, but also, I guess the warmth from the city, like we experience in the wintertime, from the underground subways, from the closest of the buildings, from more people, the dense population. Does that uh, help with the warmth and the bricks we were just talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really about being in this urban jungle mm-hmm. uh, and being surrounded by concrete mm-hmm. during the the growing season, right. and right. how much uh, ambient heat um, and and condensed heat uh, we've received just just by being in this uh, urban setting. Sure. Um, so, yeah, we we have warmer temperatures than anywhere else uh in new york state um but that that happens throughout the season so our springs start earlier um you know where whereas like north fork of long island uh you know it's it's actually buffered from warm hotter springs uh as a result of being surrounded by cold bodies of water right uh now that also helps you know, buffer heat yeah. in the summer, you know, by being surrounded by water, but we also get that maritime effect sure. here with okay. the East River, with the harbor and the Eastern Seaboard. I would venture to say that uh, vintage to vintage Long Island has more problems than probably other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and particularly is what you're saying, being around cold waters, they have ripening issues all the time. Why yeah. Cab Front grows so great on Long Island, it's not a grape that needs a lot of heat. But what's funny is I'm now thinking it makes sense because anyone who's ever been in the city during the summertime you touch a br- you know, the bricks and the concrete and the and, and it's hot you can't walk on the tar so it's actually like chateauneuf de pop where you have these huge rocks yep. that retain the heat yep. and actually help with the maturing of the yep. vines and the ripening uh so uh and so the navy yard is the chateauneuf de pop of brooklyn i i guess you could say <laughs> i mean there's definitely this heat absorption right. heat island effect uh happening with new york city that allows us to start earlier go longer and ripen our fruit um, to really, really high bricks levels. That's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, our, our, our wine is way more warm climate leaning than it is cool climate leaning. Um, and we can we can develop, you know, much mm-hmm. more robust spreads. Right. Um, 
So is the guy is the idea? So so then you take these you you take the grapes, you bring them to the Finger Lakes, you mm -hmm. crush them, you make the wine there. The winemaker there is a makes yeah. a fair amount of wine up there. As Absolutely. Well. So 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 the the winemaker is the winemaker for my uh, um, investors. Okay. Yeah, my, in, my partner and investor, which uh, is Point of the Bluff uh, Vineyards on Cuca Lake. Oh, okay, Point yeah. of the Bluff. Okay, cool. Yeah. I know the wine. Yeah, yeah. So th that's uh, that's that's pretty amazing. So it's the idea really isn't that you're ever going to make big money on 25 cases. The idea is really create right. a sustainable organic place. I noticed you have events as well with yeah. like I saw you have an event with the chef that's doing sustainable sushi. I mean, think about all these New Yorkers that don't have backyards. We are their backyard, and yeah. we're the most badass backyard there it's, can be. Uh, yeah, uh, it's I'll a vineyard. For that. <laughs> you know, there's a yeah. movie screen. Yeah. There's, uh, you know, we're doing a sustainable sushi pop-up omakase dinner up here tonight. Right. Uh, you know, we we have two partial uh, private parties tonight. One is a birthday celebration. The other one is just like a work outing. You know, all this is generated and focused around. Our centerpiece, which is this rooftop vineyard, 168 Bordeaux red varietal grapevines growing in these custom urban planters that I designed. Um, oh, you designed the planters as well? Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's, One it's, of a kind. It's it's pretty crazy. So, so you, who, does somebody buy those bottles of wine that you just come off the rooftop, those 25 cases? We're, we're you sell them out of here? We're actually not selling um, the individual bottle. Right. Uh, what we're doing is we're we're providing a one ounce taste. Oh, uh, it's forty five dollars for a one ounce taste. Right. Uh, so you know, compare it to going to a bar and ordering a shot of Johnny Walker Blue, right. or a Pappy Van Winkle. Sure. You know, if you're gonna go whiskey and scotch yeah. comparison, um, you know, it's very high price, but it's very rare. It's very special. Mm -hmm. And what do you compare it to? We don't have a taste yet, right? So, what do we compare it to? <sighs> Is it more Bordeaux? Is it more California? Yeah, Cap? it's definitely it's definitely a really rich, well developed Bordeaux, like a right. Chateau Briand. Okay, cool. So, uh, just a, a blend across the board. Yeah, it's a fifty three percent Cabernet uh, Sauvignon. Mm -hmm. uh, it is twenty one percent Merlot, nine percent Malbec, nine percent uh, Petit Verdot, and the remainder, which is four or five percent uh, Cabernet Franc. So is the idea to replicate this model, like pick more rooftops in industrial neighborhoods, which what a great thing to do to yeah. green, to bring the green element into these right. uh, yeah. neighborhoods. Absolutely, uh, right. that's the plan. You know, we think that, you know, well, well green rooftop farms are amazing. Right. You know, CSA programs are amazing. They're revolutionizing how urban dwellers sure. eat. Right. This is really revolutionizing how urban dwellers uh, congregate and socialize around uh, a green rooftop and a sustainable business. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there's there's dinner parties and stuff, but people come up here, hang out all day long. They spend hours. Oh, I could see why. I this, mean, in this, it's like big sky. It's so beautiful up here. Right. Um, I gotta say, it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, we, we'll be back. <laughs> yeah, well, I could see welcome. doing an event here easily or doing a wine tasting here yeah. easily. Yeah, um, and, 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 you know, we are accessible for that. Um, and we really, really, you know, we, we've never monetized our reservation. We're a hundred percent a reservation only business because we're located in the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So everybody has to receive uh, a guest pass to actually enter the Brooklyn Navy Yard facility. But that allows us to control a lot of elements and make it 
uh, feel exclusive without being exclusive on a price point or a monetary level. Is that also a security thing because it was is it kind of a historic district or? It's, it's more of a security thing these days because there is big infrastructure here, like the cogeneration power plant that looms over the vineyard. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's a very important sure. piece of infrastructure for the city and for the power grid. Right. Um, so there's elements like that that still exist that are that are on a scale that has to be protected. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's lots of small businesses here. I, I'm saying yeah. that in World War II, you had 70,000 people at, yeah. at one time working here, and I think their numbers are right around the same again now because of it's which is, it's not it's, it's not? so much less. Oh, uh, okay. So so we've we uh, you know the Brooklyn Navy Yard's really ratched up. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past five years, but I think we're still under 20,000 okay. uh, people employed by over 350 businesses that call the Brooklyn Navy Yard their home. Um, so it, it's, it's abs- and it's bustling. We're, we're, the Navy Yard's going through a complete renaissance and a complete overhaul, a two point, I believe, five mil- billion dollar wow. uh, investment by New York City to maintain the manufacturing hub that the Brooklyn Navy Yard is. Um, so there's there's a lot of things churning. I cannot even imagine what 77,000 employees or workers, right. yeah. which was the number in 1944 and 1945, right. what that must have been like. It must have been absolute chaos because yeah. I think it's it's uh, you know pretty hectic and, and hustle and bustle here now. Yeah, I can't imagine seventy thousand either. It's a, I, it's so funny. My mind immediately goes to like black and white, you know, uh, photos of you know the people with lunch pails and hard hats. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the famous picture of Rosie the Riveter. And oh just, yeah. Uh, this was the backbone of the, the war effort. Absolutely. Uh, for for uh, naval ships. It's yeah. Kinda, they kinda they crazy. pushed out two twenty thousand ton cargo ships per week. They Jesus, built yeah. two 20,000 ton cargo ships yeah. every week here. That's... It, it, it's unbelievable the amount of effort so and is manpower. It, is it kind of like Industry City where now it's like there's so many business like that were trying to come down here or is it still? Yeah, I think I think uh, Industry City is a little bit different. A, it's, it, you know, it, it's unbelievable what Industry City is becoming. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's so many cool businesses that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, in industry city and you know we we applaud the kind of like maker community that they're yeah. developing out there it's it's a little less maker right um i think that that when you make you mean like small designers and businesses like that or yeah i think i think more so food and beverage uh, hmm. focused maker okay. uh businesses have have aligned themselves and, and that's what you know, hmm. in my mind, is the driving force behind Industry City. Hmm. Uh, whereas the Brooklyn Navy Yard still has a lot of like set building, a lot of woodworkers, a lot of metal workers, right. a lot of in, light industrial right. manufacturing. Yeah, what's the famous studio here? There's a television studio here. St- Steiner Studio. Steiner Studio. They shoot yeah. a lot of stuff here. Oh, they're right? they're the largest TV and movie uh, production studios on the East Coast. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, Dugal is our next door neighbor. They're the, you know, the premier imaging, uh, printing, um, digital, uh, uh, you know, illumination-based right. business in, in New York City. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're, they're a huge player here in the Navy Yard. They have seven buildings, seven yeah. warehouse buildings that run all of their manufacturing operations. Wow. You know, they do the huge billboards all throughout New York City. Wow. 
We should get to some wine. We're gonna do yeah. two quick. The red that I put in the, your glass mm -hmm. is to is to match your personality. So this is um, I had Sarah Bray on. Um, we talked about this wine, but I think it's fitting for you to try it because it's Norella Moscalese on the Etna. So the Etna is one of one of the most inhospitable places to grow vine, but vines love stress. Yes. And so this is all volcanic. It's a live active volcano. There's a bunch of single crews that come here. Ridiculous high elevation. Yeah. I mean, the volcano fired off live uh, yep. two years ago. Yep. It's ash, uh, but it makes these most amazing wines. So to me, it's got a little thing what you're doing here. Um, what was perceived and most people would think of as an inhospitable environment to grow uh, wine. You've done an amazing job at propagating vines um, and uh, doing this great business. Because realistically, the money is probably made in selling all the other wines. So let's talk about the other wines that you serve here from yeah. the Finger Lakes. We have a rosé in front of me. What is yep. this? Yeah, this is a Cabernet Franc rosé. Wow. Really, really fun. We actually um, um, hired Ali Shaper, um, uh, winemaker out of Long Island, mm -hmm. uh, to come to the Finger Lakes and produce this rosé for us mm -hmm. uh, this year. Cabernet Franc, 100% Cabernet Franc. Um, Really fruit forward, nice and dry. The one thing that I love about this rosé mm -hmm. is that uh, often Cabernet Franc rosés they have that like strawberry cream finish, right. that body right. um, uh, on on the finish. I think she she really um, hits home the the kind of Provence acidity that that refreshing you know refreshing. finish yeah. uh, that you want to see from a rosé. I also find that you know a lot of times rosé don't don't have um, varietal characteristics mm -hmm. like you can't pinpoint a lot right. of times what a rosé is yeah and i i feel like uh some of those herbaceous you know kind of black pepper uh right. notes that uh, cabernet franc does love, yeah. exude yeah. um is really is really transparent with this wine mm -hmm. um which is also very unique and a lot of talent behind right. this production so what other wines are you serving at your bar tonight like yeah give me a, a brief um, kind of run yeah yeah a lot of alsatian um, uh, Germanic uh, Austrian wines, as as you would expect coming out of the Finger Lakes cool climate wine region. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a single varietal uh, Tramonette, which is French American hybrid, mm -hmm. um, with Gewurztraminer being fifty percent of its parentage. Right. Um, we do a, a Gruner Villeneuve, mm -hmm. um, and uh, that that's absolutely brilliant. I love that wine. Our two thousand eighteen it came out so so nice. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we have a single vineyard Riesling. We have a really, really unique Riesling. It's a, a Point of the Bluffs uh, vineyard that we source from. If I'm going to drink one wine from there, if yeah. I had to just pick one wine, it would be Riesling. Yeah. The Finger Lakes, something oh, makes some of the best Rieslings. Of like, course. They're world-class Rieslings. And the, the really unique thing about our single vineyard Riesling is that the vineyard site is on the bluff point of Cuca Lake. So it's right in the middle of the Y. Right. It's one of the only, I think it's the only true southern-facing uh, uh, vineyard sites in the entire Finger Lakes because the Finger Lakes are north to south running lakes mm -hmm. uh, with the vineyards on either the east or the west side. Right. Um, but Cuca Lake is that Y-shaped lake. It's the one outlier has that bluff point that goes up about 1,200 feet right in the middle, and uh, really steep uh, slopes, 13 degree slopes, about 8 to 12 inches of soil depth on right. blue slate. So it's oh. it's very indicative of. Uh, oh. German. Yeah, uh, German like Mosul, Mosul region. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I was just going to ask you what the soils are because I, I think in like if people drink Riesling, even blind tasting, you can't really pick 
particularly stuff that's on the blue slate because that's the right. classic Mosul in the red. Yeah. Um, it's just like all mineral, little petrol. Yeah. I mean, they're really great yeah. wines. And and pe- and the petrol is yeah. very, very um, persistent, consistent, pronounced, mm-hmm. and and just the the great classic, you know, fruit tropical notes of Riesling. I I, I actually prefer that wine mm-hmm. as a, as a um, slightly off dry. Um, it's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree. So what's going to cool, you talked about the sustainable uh, sushi dinner you do. Yeah. I saw you also have the chef from Racine's, which is one of my favorite restaurants yes. in the city. So is the idea to court chefs to come here to do events and kind of marry the whole uh, New York experience? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think everybody should uh, be absolutely thrilled to do pop-up dinners here at Rooftop Reds. Um, you know, in, in my mind, meshing exactly what you know we want out of green rooftops mm-hmm. um while also really playing true to what local wine production and wine quality is coming out of new york state can be mm-hmm. um you know we have world-class wines and new yorkers just don't have a great outlet to it because even even a lot of the farm to table you know locally source uh, and focused restaurants you know, have imported wine lists still. Um, so, so I think. Well, I you got to cap. You got to have a captive audience here. Yeah. If you're only serving New York wines. Right. And then, by the way, look, I drink. I've been drinking wine for 25 years, um, and I've traveled the world extensively. I know wine. I drink wine, and I tell you, these wines are spectacular. I sat at the bar, had a yeah. had a glass of the Grunewald Liner, yeah. had a the Riesling. Um, they're great wines, um, but Thank you're right. You. If I go to a New York restaurant, right. I'm drinking French, I'm drinking Italian. Right. You know, like I mean, it's our sure. kind of go-to. But yeah. uh, when you put these wines, in, they they stand alone. They're, and we're, they're world-class. Wines. You know, New yeah. York has traditionally been more European-centric. I mean, we're closer. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, sixty percent of wine consumption decisions in California go to California wines. About two mm-hmm. percent of New York consumption wine decisions go to New York wines. So, you know, there. A lot of people would say you're 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 fighting an uphill battle, but I see a lot of opportunity, mm-hmm. and I lo- see a lot of opportunity for growth yeah. in 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 changing people's uh, consumer decisions. and And rooftop reds is, in my mind, the best the best place to show them that distinction. So I bet that you sell more wine than most importers sell who carry New York wines. I would say off we, the rooftop. I would say we arguably sell more wine than any one establishment in right. New York City. Right. Maybe discounting like a stadium. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, so, it's all we do. Right. And so so actually the the business model is like I said earlier, it fires because you have this beautiful like mm-hmm. small production, but then you are representing New York State. So you have a lot of wine sales. It's an event right. space. There is movies. I'm looking at this beautiful like vineyard on a roof. I see a music station. I see a yeah. know, food station and the sun is going down. It's just uh yeah, we're pu- playing Pulp Fiction tonight, so you're gonna Are see you? a, you're gonna see a lot of people out for that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and last man. night was yeah. a league of their own, so you oh, know. That's... Oh shit! Yeah. yeah. So so people go on your website, yep. Rooftop Reds, and you list the movies, you list the food events, you yeah. list. Um... So, so our events tab is just a drop down tab. Mm-hmm. You know, pizza wine movie night, ribs and rosé, Saturday brunches. Um, you know, wine tours and tastings that we hold every Wednesday evening. Um, You know, the list goes on and on. Of course, we have one-off events like our harvest dinner uh, or the sustainable sushi omakase uh, pop-up dinners. 
Um, and, and those are always rotating in with, with uh, different restaurants, different chefs, uh, cool. different scenes uh, that, that, you know, we love to spotlight what, you know, we don't have a kitchen up here, so we love to spotlight food, um, but from the culinary talent that everybody knows New York to be a powerhouse in, yeah, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So are you looking at the, are the are you have a second place lined up or? Yeah, we have we have two active bids in uh, Los Angeles right now. Oh, cool! Uh, for rooftops there, um, we just did a, a big um, a business trip to Japan for ten days, literally two weeks ago. Okay. Um, and we are working on a five-year plan with a large uh, uh, commercial developer in Japan uh, to establish about ten uh, rooftop reds over the next five years. Wow! Um, so yeah, things are very very active, um, and we're you know. Hey, if the world's listening, we need to green rooftops. We need to green any urban space possible. We need to fight climate change. Absolutely. And uh, Rooftop Reds is a great way to do it. So uh, if you're interested in what we've developed here that, that people internationally are raving about, um, you know, get in touch with us. We're, we're, we're out there. Thanks for having the guts to do this. And I want to thank you for being on DOTG Podcast. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar.